winging it F1 podcast. It's a rare, rare qualifying review, although saying that we did a qualifying review for the last opening race of last season. Um, and we're back again because we are incredibly excited that F1 is back. We've seen the first competitive session of the season and there's a lot of things to talk about, a lot of answers to questions, a lot of further questions that we don't have answers to yet and we may find out tomorrow and may find out, not find out for a while, but it's great to have racing back. We're very excited about it and we're ready to talk about a very, I thought, a very entertaining and interesting qualifying session, even if it did end with a bit of a squib um, with some of the teams not going out and a Red Bull 1-2 again. But to help me talk through all of that is Nigel Chu. Nigel, how are you? Uh, I'm going to give you more than a one-word answer, which I've just done by saying that sentence. So I'm all right. (laughs) Is that actually answering the question, though? I'd argue none of what you said actually answers the question of how are you, apart from one word. Well, that's just like when sports people get asked questions, isn't it? They avoid the question and just like give a like a neutral answer or a political correct answer or whatever. Yeah, well, (laughs) depends on the on the sports person, but yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, happens occasionally. I the last time it was a season opener and we did a qualifying review. I was doing it from the library in City Library in Dallas. So I'm now back yes. in Sheffield. That was an intense We did it for experience. the second one as well, you know. We did it for yeah. Perry's got pulled to Saudi Arabia and then that was the last one that we did. <laughs> yeah, and the, we did one for Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's kind of We'll do it if it's worth it, if there's stuff to talk about, and there usually yeah, is at the start of the season, because it is this is the first time we get to see you know, yeah, yes, it's still only one track and it's qualifying. It'll be different from race pace, but this is the first time we get to see all of the teams pushing with something on the line. And that tells us as much really as three days of testing did. Yeah. So, yeah, it's as we've already said, it did come back as predicted to Max Verstappen on pole position. Well, well just quick, as you say predicted, your article for TotalMotorsport.com after the test in your pecking order article was pretty much spot on, by the way. You had like <laughs> Red Bull, Ferrari, uh, then Aston, then Merck, then Alpine. I can't remember what you had six of them, but I think I it was quite accurate Haas. as well. Probably, yeah, you had, yeah, had, you had Haas. Haas Alpha, so it only got only Norris. Um, but then I would before. argue like, you know, Norris outperformed the the McLaren car and stuff. So yeah, you know. no, I'd, I'd agree with that. And we will talk about it later because while the top eight is kind of as you could have expected, or along similar lines to what you could expect, I think there is so much, um, you know, to to still be found out in the rest of the grid. It feels like it's really close between the other six teams. But we will start at the top. Obviously, Verstappen took pole position. Sergio Perez took second with Leclerc running second until he decided not to go for a final run and save his tyres or save his set of tyres for the race. So we'll start by giving a word to Verstappen. It was expected by a lot of people, but yeah, can you just talk us through that pole position for Verstappen? Well, he's done it so many times over the last two, three years where when it matters most, he turns up, delivers a clean lap. It wasn't obviously spectacular, but I think that just goes to show how strong and easy to drive the Red Bull car is. I mean, if you look at his lap closely on the onboard, he does very little corrections on the steering wheel. And that That's what Verstappen likes. He loves that smooth kind of driving style. I know he's very aggressive when it comes to the racecraft aspect, but in terms of his actual driving style, he has very little movement on the steering wheel. And I think he showed that on his lap at the end of Q3 there uh, to be faster than Perez, faster than Leclerc. So he delivered. There was a, I wouldn't say 
pressure, but because he was the favourite and because people were questioning had Red Bull lost something from testing, he kind of put that to bed, really, and so did Perez by making it a one-two. So that's why he's a two-time world champion. That's why he's a reigning champion. Uh, so, yeah, Red Bull delivered again when it matters, which is what they've done over the last two, three years. Yeah, and it, it's a hallmark of really the great champions, obviously. Hamilton before that, that was his hallmark where he, you know, mm. he, he was able to turn it on when it really mattered in, in Q3 and put that time in. So, yeah, very impressive from Verstappen and we'll see how they go tomorrow. But kind of there's not too much to add really on Red Bull, I think. We'll move on to mm. Ferrari. What did you make of that decision to um, to save the tyres and not go for the pole position? It all depends on if Leclerc would have taken pole with that second lap, which I don't think he could. I think he could have got second. I don't think he could have got pole. I think he was a bit unsure as well. But I think the fact Ferrari were in the fight for pole, if they did do that second run, that is big praise to them because they, my word, they were saving a lot and not showing their full hand all the way up until qualifying. Because not even in the practice sessions did they show their full hand. But I think it, overall, the, the thing with this saving tyres... Uh, saving a set of tyres. We used to see it actually very early in the Pirelli days when they had huge tyre decking back in 2011, 2010, 20, uh, 2012, 2013. We haven't really seen it too much since because it doesn't make too much of a difference. You know, one flying lap, yes, you've got the outlapping in lap as well, but and it's a high degradation track. But I, I see it as a defensive move from Ferrari, not really attacking because I think Red Bull will have the race pace and Red Bull, even though they they don't have a brand new fresh set of tyres, one of the tyres that they did literally just has the outlap and one set. To, I, think, I think in Q1 at the end, when everyone went back out again, apart from the sides, Red Bull didn't complete uh, their flying lap on that second run. They just did the outlap and one set. To, so they've basically got a brand new uh, set of tyres as well. It just won't be officially called that on the Pirelli timing thing. Uh, so Ferrari don't have too much of an, an advantage over Red Bull by saving that time, but it will over Alonso and the Mercedes drivers. So I think it was a... a I'd say it was right overall, thinking about it. To me, it, it, te- it tells me that they expect to be fighting Alonso and the Mercedes. Yeah. To me, it tells me that they're not they think Red Bull are out of sight, basically. And yeah. uh, I think that's probably fair based off what we've seen. Leclerc yeah. did say, he he didn't come straight out and say it, but he he did basically say that he thought he could have got pole. He said he thought there was more in yeah. the car. Um, and the, the talk all through testing and this weekend has really been that Ferrari expect to have better qualifying pace than race pace. So for me, the fact that they didn't try and double down on that mm-hmm. and get pole position tells me that they're, you know, they're, they expect to be fighting Aston Martin. They expect to be looking over their shoulder. And I think it is a defensive move in terms of, yeah, you know, making sure they can consolidate a podium rather than being able to fight for that race win. But also, you know, having a tactical advantage or a strategic advantage is only as good as the strategy um, minds and gurus that are putting it into play. So Ferrari have um, moved in Arki Rueda, who was their strategy engineer from last season. They've not demoted him officially, but they've moved him back to Maranello and they brought uh, Ravin Jane um, up to be the race day kind of strategist so it will be interesting to see how that goes because i do think you know it indicates that ferrari might have to use you know they may have an edge on pace but to really consolidate it they could be undone by strategy and they'll need to yeah kind of play their cards right so we'll have to see but 
Yeah, it... I, I I still do worry about Ferrari's tire deck because from I know mm. they have been shown their full hand, but from the long runs they have been doing, they've been trying different setups, experimenting with different parts. They haven't shown a long run, which has made you go that is that can match Red Bull. It's always been three, four temps on average per lap slower than Rebels. That's kind of what I expect for the race as well. So I, I think you are right. I think, I think they are going to be battling for that third place. Uh, and then if they can get the strategy right, they would get it. I don't know. It'll, it'll be close. We'll find out. Uh, but yeah, it should be a really good fight. Yeah, I think I think so. And it, it, it kind of felt like it felt like a bit of a disappointment that you didn't have Alonso or the Mercedes or Leclerc yeah. out there at the end, that it really was, you know, Verstappen going to beat his time and Perez kind of gunning to knock off Leclerc from second place and get the front row lockup. But mm. it makes sense from really all of the team's perspective um, where yeah. they're coming from. That, that advantage is, is going to be key. We saw Alonso, there was a lot of hype. Um, some of it from <laughs> some of it from Total Motorsport, some of it not. Um, about Alonso, especially after he went quickest in FP two and FP three, no. but they weren't able to challenge for pole position as a lot of people hoped they would. And yeah, was it? What What do you make of the performance from Aston Martin? Is it kind of too easy to get lost in the hype and actually lose sight of what they achieved, or should they have done a bit better? I think it was too easy to get lost in the hype. I think. It was always going to be really difficult to beat Red Bull. Uh, and I, for me, I think I've said this for the last couple of weeks, I've always felt Ferrari were holding something back, which was the case. So then you end up uh, looking, at the, looking at the third row, which is what Alonso got in the end. So I think they've kind of, if anything, to beat Mercedes, that has exceeded the expectations, if, if anything. Uh, and then the long run pace on Friday, Alonso matched for Stappen's times, so that is really encouraging. And I would I still argue that Alonso could get third place in the race as well, just going off that and we saw in testing as well. The Aston Martin uh, had really good race pace, low tired egg as well there. So then if Ferrari are struggling, if Alonso's got trap position over the Mercedes, the only problem it is is that it could be two versus one. So uh, Mercedes could you know, do different strategies of Russell and Hamilton to jump Alonso, uh, with Stroll obviously not or unlikely to be fighting in the top five six. That could be a problem. But I think for qualifying, they just exceeded expectations slightly. I'd say. So would you say that? Because I think we all agreed that in our post-testing rankings that they were ahead of Mercedes and Overall, behind Ferrari and Red Bull. Overall, yeah, but on one lap pace, hmm, okay, maybe not. I'd say they met met their targets then. Probably. Yeah, I'd I'd say so. I think it's interesting. So it looks like both. Well, definitely Mercedes expect to be faster on race day, and Hamilton mm. set his car up for that in qualifying. But and then obviously Alonso did his rapid long run on um the second day of testing um as the last well. day so last day of testing. So it feels like both are kind of set up more for the race itself but yeah I'd, I'd say about i don't know to, to be honest my expectations did get a bit skewed by the free practice running i thought they might be able mm. to take it you know at least be battling ferrari um but it was also 
Ferrari really weren't showing their whole hands and I didn't expect them to not show it so late. I thought they would show something in practice, but I didn't expect them to be waiting all the way up until qualifying and then be top of Q1. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Alonso only did one run as well, didn't he? So he's in the same position as Leclerc because he was fourth and Sainz Sainz had two two runs. Yeah, Sainz did. Yes, Sainz did. So then if you think about that, Lonzo could have been second row if he had that second run, and given the track was evolving massively, as it always does in Bahrain. Uh, so, yeah, maybe a second row would have been exceeded expectations, and third row is what you'd expect, given how strong they were. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, how, how do you see the battle going tomorrow with the Mercedes? Because the Mercedes do, they seem to not, they seem to be pretty down coming out of Friday and then look like they found something, but I'm not sure. It's still really difficult to place them. I wouldn't be too disheartened. I mean, obviously, Mercedes want to be at the front, but given all the talk of having the wrong concepts and uh, they're going to uh, use a different, like, they're going to abandon this concept, I guess, or the talk of that, which is possible, they're not that far off. I mean, it's it's a bridgeable gap. I mean, if you think it's, if they did did the uh, second run to Hamilton and Russell, that's a ten four two there plus the track evolving a bit, so then that puts them only three temps behind. And in twenty twenty one, Verstappen was three temps faster than Hamilton in qualifying for the first race in Bahrain. So they're not, I, yeah. If I was Mercedes, I wouldn't be too disheartened. And then given that they do usually improve uh, for the long runs they should be able to at least be in the fight for the podium. I don't think they will get third, but they'll be right there as well, I'd say. Yeah, I th- I think as yeah, as I said, I think the the factor is whether they or Alonso improve the long runs, really. But yeah, yeah I don't know. It still feels like there's a lot it's there's a lot to be answered and you know that's we've yeah. only seen it on, on one track as well i think mercedes seem optimistic of maybe around australia or imola at, you know bringing more upgrades to the car and pushing on but yeah it, it seems to be honest it feels like it would have been met expectations before the weekend but then maybe after friday then they were a bit a bit down so from that aspect then yeah. it looks like a positive but i'm not sure um we'll have to wait and see tomorrow i'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens on race day and then the next place sorry i was gonna say it's so hard to read what is gonna happen between because i mean i i expect a red bull one too i'll be surprised if it's not but mm. then behind that it's so difficult to call given this is the first race uh i mean i'm just trying to think through what I think, I think it's all going to come down to undercuts. That's what I'd say. I think it's going to be a two-stop. I think everyone will start on the soft to get the run off the line. The C2 has been rubbish yeah. uh, this weekend. So I'd expect soft, hard, hard, probably. And then I think, as we saw last year, doing the undercut is really powerful. Uh, but then obviously you can't be too far behind to not do it. So... Mm, I don't know. I think Alonso will get third. I, I, I think Alonso will get third. I think he'll have better race pace than, than the Ferraris, and I think he can hold off the Mercedes. I, I, yeah, I'm really not sure. I think I think that with Mercedes, they've got the wild card that they have got the two, yeah. the two drivers, and particularly with Hamilton, then they might well be able to one-stop it because of how good he is on his tyres and then go for the more one stop in Bahrain, that would be... I mean, to be fair, we have we saw it ages ago, like four or five years ago. Mm. But 
or, or you know, go 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 for a three stop with Russell or Hamilton, and and you know, mm. really be aggressive like that. But I just think that's the wild card that they have that they can play those two cards, and then Ferrari. The Ferrari just don't know. I, I still think we need to, you know, given this is the first time we've seen them really put it all together, then yeah, we'll have to see on Ferrari. But I'm not... If I had to call it, I'd say one of the Mercedes. i say Russell gets the podium. I think it'll be one of okay. the Mercedes. And... Are we definitely saying Red Bull are going to... should win? I mean, they, sh- they should do. Hmm. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Well, they're, they're definitely going to win the race. Okay, not definitely because okay. it's F one, but I I don't expect them to win the race. It's it's more whether yeah. Perez can stay on the podium. I, he, again, like he should be able to. There's not, you know, the the cars with the better race pace are starting further back, and even then they might not have the enough race pace to beat the Red Bull and Ferrari. The ones that are closest to them. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know. I think if I think if it's not a Red Bull one two or Red Bull um, double podium, then I think it will be a Ferrari and Mercedes on mm. the podium. So. I think the only way Verstappen can lose is if he isn't leading after lap one, which I think it will be. But if he isn't, and say it's Perez or Leclerc ahead, the pace might be a bit slower, and, he, uh, and they're all kind of in a bit of a train within eight, nine seconds. And then Alonso, this is just my dream process, Alonso like undercuts uh, like grid. two or three cars. Oh, say if, say if Alonso is in four, four, third, then Alonso jumps Verstappen with the undercut. Because I think Alonso's the only one, from what I've seen, who on race pace can match Verstappen. He just needs to get that track position and starting four places behind. It's going to be hard. So I think, yeah, that is the only way, is if Verstappen's not leading. The pace is a bit <laughs> slow with either Leclerc or Perez at the front, and they're all kind of in a in a queue. Uh, and then Aston Martin gamble by going early undercutting, get that trap position and then it'll be game on. Uh, that's the only way I can see it really because, you know, safety cars getting a cheap pit stop or virtual safety car getting a cheap pit stop with that. If you're ahead, uh, you, you're going to be running longer than your rivals anyway. So then if there is a safety car at the right time, they've pitted you haven't, then they'll just benefit you. So I don't really see that being a factor. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd predict a Red Bull 1-2, a Lonto podium. It's just so easy to overtake in Bahrain as well. There's like four yeah. straights, so that's the kind of, you know, it is hard to, it's hard to kind of see away from that. But yeah, I, I just don't see barring like reliability. I don't really see mm. um, Haversappen won't win. But you know that's why we love F1. Red Bull had two DNFs last season. Um, speaking yes. of the start, actually, Verstappen had a rubbish practice start in FP3. So if he repeats yeah, that, he, looked at, he went into anti-stall. So if he, <laughs> if he repeats that, then maybe. Um, but yeah, moving on to the final of the top eight, uh, sorry, top four teams with Lance Stroll in eighth, who did come back. I, everyone expected him not to, um, and it to be Felipe mm. Drogovic in the car, but Stroll's back and he struggled with his hands, um, his right hand turning into turn one on Friday and was a bit better today and qualified eighth, kind of not, you know, half a second off um, Hamilton seventh. So do you think it was the right decision for Stroll to come back? I mean, assuming he'd made the decision himself. I think it was, you know, because a lot of people get praise. I remember De Vries struggled to get out of the car last year during his debut because uh, the, the the reason why people say, oh, what's Stroll doing is because he was struggled to get out of the car to see him like pulling him out after FP two FP two on on Friday, but we see like say if this was a, like Alonso or Hamilton, 
I think they would be getting praised for like fighting on, but because it's Stroll and people don't have that kind of perception about him, I don't think people kind of see him as that. Oh look! Oh look! What he's doing? He's fighting. He's he's in pain, but he's still carried on. That's how I kind of see it. And obviously, you can go back to the old dinosaur world and say, "Oh, look at the eighties and seventies when Loud was, you know, burned and he carried on stuff like that." Obviously, the world has changed. But ultimately, if he's passed a safety test uh, when he had to get out of the car within, I think it's ten or fifteen seconds, the extraction test, sorry, which he has passed. That's why he's he's allowed to drive. I mean, arguably, you could say they should test it after he's a bit knackered, which he was in practice, but he, he passed that. So I think it's up to him. And I think other drivers will be getting praised for it, and, but he hasn't really, really been praised for it too much. So I, for me, I think it's fine, given that he's passed those tests. I think the difference with him and other drivers is, is he a performance upgrade for the team? Now, there's kind of two, there's two, two competing things for me. Is One is, if it's his choice... He's got to be selfish. Like he's a sports person. Yeah. He doesn't want, even though his dad owns the team and it looks like he's just got a guaranteed seat forever. He still, it still doesn't look great on him if Drogovic comes in or Vettel comes back and yeah. they're really strong. And then he's got pressure on him in Saudi Arabia or, you know, people are saying, why not keep Drogovic in the seat? He did great in testing, blah, blah, blah. So I think from his angle, I assume it's him that's made the decision and the yeah, team has supported whatever decision he's wanted to make. So for his, for his point of view, I completely get it because you've got to be selfish. Mm. But I think the criticism is more like, you know, if if Hamilton comes in at 80 or 90 percent or Alonso comes in at 80 or 90 percent, they're a lot better than or they're, I'd say, better than whatever's going to be coming in. You know, I don't know who Mercedes would bring in as their, or, you know, Mick Schumacher. I'd say a Hamilton mm-hmm. a, a bit less than 100 percent is still better than Mick Schumacher at 100 percent coming in as a reserve, whereas Stroll. Is he better than Drogovic, who's had you know an injured stroll? Is he better than Drogovic, who's had that time in the car? I'd say maybe that's where the criticism is coming. Is it is that is it best for the team? Is he helping the team, or is he actually hindering the team because he's slower and he can't? You know, he's not able to race at his full potential. So that's the way I see it. But as I say, so, it's not. He's so I, I, from what I saw, I kind of thought it was a safety thing. People weren't happy with that. But for me, if he's passing the tests. Yeah, I mean, you can argue about the test should be different. Like I said, that he should do it after he's a bit tired and stuff. Then that means he's fine to race. It is his decision, and I credit him for fighting on personally. And to get eighth is a pretty good result. Because I mean, I was thinking, oh my word, he could be out in Q one, Q two here because he he did not look good on Friday. But then on on Saturday, there were no signs of any problems with him really. So I think in the end, it was the right thing to do. I think he's done well to get to get eighth. Yeah, and and also like half a second back from Alonso, how close would he expect to be to Alonso anyway? Like you know, yeah. what like three tenths maybe? A, you know, mm. a, a best case scenario. So I don't think it's. I think on Friday, then it looks a lot worse when he's having to take his right hand off yeah. the wheel to make the turn, which they usually only do at the Monaco hairpin. But yeah, he he does seem to have brought it back, but he hasn't done a full race distance yet. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. He's gonna to have to fight in the race. I feel he could be in some serious. Hopefully, you know, hopefully he, he is all right. And he doesn't have to do any emergency jump outs, or he doesn't have a crash and get even more injured because that will be. I mean, yeah, that that will be really bad. Uh, so hopefully he just has a clean race. And even if he is a bit off Alonso, having that clean race, then two weeks to recover. I think that's the main thing for a stroll. 
yeah definitely and i hope i hope he does well and, and is able to mm. kind of race the full of his of fullest of his abilities so that ends the top eight the top four teams and then there's a guy i mean there was only one tenth from stroll to ocon on you know in qualifying yeah. but in terms of performance there is a definite gap between those and the rest of the six teams and basically it seems alpha Tauri are in trouble i'd say but apart from yeah. apart from that like it does seem really open norris was 11th in a mclaren that really seems you know still seems off the pace and it seems like a lot of what we saw in testing is true but he's managed to bring it to 11th and then you've got the alfa romeo's kind of i guess in in the average point of 12th and 13th like it's just so wide open in the midfield and the back of the pack but even Alpha Tauri, Sonoda didn't improve for some reason in Q2. I can't remember why. But in Q1, he did a 131.4. And the cutoff time to get into Q2 was a 130.8. Okay, so he's six tenths off still. But then the evolution of the track, he's not that far behind his Sonoda. De Vries had an awful debut, unfortunately. But even the Alpha Tauri, if we're saying that's the worst car, which I, I'd agree, it probably just about is. But it's not like that far off. You could easily be, you know, seventh or sixth even fastest team come the next few races, perhaps, if they, if they get, if it suits the track. Uh, so it is literally just a field. We joked about this, I think, last year, about uh, not having a midfield, it's just a field. That's what we've got from uh, fifth all the way down to tenth for me. Uh, this is coming down to the drivers, coming down to the setup, the engineers, who can nail the laps. It's all coming down to that, because... It is so, so close. There must be, if we took the absolute pure performance of, of those uh, cars from five to ten, it must be two or three tenths at most. And then the drivers are just making a difference, I think. So it is incredible. I mean, in Q2, I think the entire field was split by 1.2 seconds. I cannot remember the last time on uh, a track that isn't like Austria, where, where, where it's quite short. On a track this long, where the field is split by such a close margin in, in F1. So it's fantastic to see uh, Esteban Ocon ended up getting uh, the best result out of the out of, out of the lot with, with ninth place Hulkenberg as well on his uh, full-time return, getting 10th, which I'm sure Adam's happy about. <laughs> uh, big, big credit for him. And then Norris obviously maximising, well, both of you. <laughs> and, then, and then Norris maximising the McLaren, which probably isn't that good, but then because it's Norris and he's been probably his top five driver over the last two years, he's got it into 11th. So it's just so close. It's going to ch- chop and change, I think, over the next few races. Uh, and the race, I mean, any one, any one of them can get points, quite frankly. Mm. Especially if we see, you know, retirements like we have done in a few season mm. openers previously, then that really, really opens it up. But even without that, then, yeah, it, it's still, you know, particularly that, I think Haas, Alfa Romeo just seem really tight. Alpine seem to be, you know, closer to that battle than to the midfield. McLaren seem a bit far off, but with Norris, then anything is possible within yeah. reason. Um, and, and Williams do seem to be really competitive as well. Um, you know, yeah. with with Sargent was so close to making it through. He, he literally, um, yeah, he, he was out by no time. Um, he said that in his post-race press conference that he's missed out by nothing. He's at the same uh, time to the thousandths of second by as Norris. <clears throat> and uh, because Norris had said it first, then he was the one who missed out. Um, yeah. Do you think Do you think that's fair? Or do you think they could go off some other, you know, the second fastest time they set or something like that? Uh, 
Well, that's a good question, that. I don't think, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. <laughs> Is that fair? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. So, but equally... Do you reckon, though? Because it, it is... Like, you, you set the you set the fastest... Oh, sorry, you set the exact same time, and then there's five places difference between where they're starting in the race. Yeah, but... <clears throat> that's just the way it is, isn't it? I, I think it's... I've, the problem, problem with doing it on, like, your second fastest time is... Uh, in F1, what if you only do, like, one... I don't know, because you wouldn't do one run, would you? Uh... I'm not sure. I think it's the way the the way it is now is quite easy to understand. I guess like you kind of know straight away who set it first. Uh, was with the with your way, you kind of have to look back and rely on the commentators and that to tell you. And obviously, they would find out after like ten seconds. But the way it is now, you kind of know instantly, which is quite good. Because like imagine it when it happened uh, in 1997 for pole position at the Euro- European Grand Prix when. Uh, France and Schumacher and Villeneuve, they were all tied and they did it your way. It would be quite difficult to like get that instant excitement or reaction, I guess, to who got Paul. Whereas with this system, we kind of knew or, or, or know who it was, if you get me. Yeah. And I'd, the argument for F1 would be that yeah, as the, the track gets faster through the weekend so and, and through yeah. the qualifying session, so setting that time five minutes before is more impressive an achievement because you've had to push a bit more. So that's, I, you know, that that's yeah, the that's logic for it. But it, it doesn't just seem really harsh when, you know, it, yeah. it just comes down to who set it first. I don't know. It's it's like not... 1,000. One <clears throat> that is literally like, it could be where they put a transponder. Mm. <laughs> that is literally the difference. Or, is, or they could, like, could they do, could they just have a seven, a six car uh, Q2? That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, I, I that's a good like idea. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, Dominicano, <laughs> then you check in the post. Uh, so the what would he do for, like, if it was in Q3? Well, like, yeah, that that would be an issue. What, what would he do then? <laughs> that would be a, a one-race one shootout. Okay. You mean, mean uh, one lap? Yeah, one lap yeah, sorry, one race. <laughs> yeah, one 56, race. 56 <laughs> laps <laughs> of the like, ball position. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, a, a, one lap shootout. Okay. And how would you decide who starts where for that? Uh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, <laughs> Equal across the line. I don't know. Best of three. This is getting. This is best getting of three. Ridiculous. Okay. May, may, no, no. May, maybe, maybe just do that if it's for if it's to decide who gets into Q two or Q three. Um, okay. And then go with either like who set it first or who had the fastest previous lap. If yeah. it is to decide positioning within that, so but yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. It's a bit harsh, but overall, I think it's really really positive for Williams. They seem to have taken a step mm. forward and. Yeah, it's it's again like we'll have to see for other races where it comes because this is such a wide open battle and that's what's fantastic and hopefully yeah. it's interesting on race day as well. But have you got anything else that you want to add before we finish this recording? I don't think so. I think it might not be the most exciting race at the front, but I think behind that it is gonna be it should be amazing. And I also don't think Red Bull are gonna I mean I said this after testing I didn't think Red Bull were gonna dominate the season but this for me is kind of converted because if there were five or six times ahead I would have gone oh god we're in for a long one but they're not uh so I think that's encouraging uh for, for the sport because we want it to be close we want that title fight and I think there's still a decent chance that we might get that and speaking of long, Freddie has now cut his hair, but he will be back with us for our race review podcast on Sunday or Monday evening. So look out for that popping into your feeds. But 
With that said, enjoy the race and we'll look forward to analyse it and breaking it down. Hopefully it will be an amazing one tomorrow. So thanks very much for listening and goodbye. You can't hear thumbs up. <laughs>